Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 81. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who run a business while traveling full-time in an RV. I'm recording today's episode from Madison, Maine. Alyssa and I are wrapping up our last campground video of the summer for the Jellystone Parks. We've had fun hanging out this summer with Yogi, but we are thoroughly excited to be wrapping up filming these parks. This turned out to be a very aggressive travel schedule for us this summer. I know I've said it a million times before on the podcast how we're going to slow down and enjoy all of our travels more. But then we ended up just traveling up the whole coast and going from Texas to Forest City, Iowa to Florida. And then now we're up in Maine. So I'm really just full of crap. And we end up just traveling really quickly anyway. And if you listen to the podcast on a regular schedule, you notice that for the first time all year, I didn't publish a podcast episode on this past Tuesday. And on that note, I'm mad at you guys because I made a big announcement earlier this year that was if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, my big goal is to release an episode every Tuesday. And if I miss a Tuesday, I expect you to send me an angry email or message. It doesn't have to be angry, but just a message and just be like, dude, what the heck? So the only person that did this was Doug. So thank you, Doug, for commenting on the blog and saying, hey, Heath, WTF, man, I had to listen to an old podcast episode <laughs> this week because he didn't release one on Tuesday. He was he was joking. It was in a light tone. So he wasn't actually upset at me, but Maybe it was a little bit, and that's okay if you are, Doug. The month of July was kind of crazy time for us. So if you're in our Facebook group or follow the blog, you may have seen Alyssa wrote this mammoth post about what happened all during our month of July. But a brief recap of that is that during the month of July, we lost a family member back in Texas. And for the first time ever, we weren't actually around to say goodbye to the family member before uh, we lost him. We weren't expecting him. We knew he'd been sick for a long time, but we weren't expecting him to pass away so suddenly. We had lost a couple other family members in the past years of travel, but we've always been able to be back in Texas during this time. So this is really difficult because we weren't able to you know, be around family during a time like this, which kind of sucks. And it's definitely one of the hardest parts of RVing that we've experienced. A couple other things that happened during July was that we had two MacBook computers crap out on us at the same time. We started work with two new clients and we were also in the middle of filming all these five campground videos as we've been traveling up the coast. And amidst all the bad, there's been good too. You know, we have client work and opportunities and it's great. But I think we did bite off a little bit more than we can chew. So all of these kind of compiled for the reason why that this episode is getting published on Friday. And if you're listening to this like way in the future, you don't even know that I missed a Tuesday. So just completely disregard all of this. But this is what's happening in our life at the moment. And I think if there's one big thing that I'm learning right now, it's that in many ways, growing a business from the road, not just on the road, but anytime, I think there's always going to be a lot of factors that push you to give up your time and freedom and focus on the business. For instance, we brought on two clients last month. We hired Kelsey, our podcast editor, for a number of other projects. So onboarding her to the team has taken time and bandwidth and just a lot of a learning curve for us. We've had to figure out how we communicate in Slack. We're using Trello. Uh, you know, when are we going to have stand-up calls and how can we make those short and how can we put her in a place where we're not bottlenecking her for projects? And keeping up with our other time commitments have just added more and more time to our plate. Again, there's a lot of good opportunities, but they all kind of push for more and more of our time. And again, none of these are inherently anything bad as our business is growing and that's good. But it also contradicts a lot of the reasons why we chose this lifestyle. One big reason being the freedom, the freedom to enjoy our travels, to you know have some leisure time and you know go to national parks and things like that. The space we're currently in is just trying to figure out how to grow and scale our business because we do have goals. We want to pay off our debt. We want to set ourselves up for the future, but we don't want to have to give up all that freedom in the process. And I think that that's a hard problem to figure out because all these factors are pushing you to give up your time. And I wish there was an easy answer for how to figure this out. And if you have one, please let me know. But what I've learned from this so far, and I'm very much still in the midst of it, but if I could share any bit of advice for anybody who is transitioning to being on the road or so growing their business, it would be to figure out what kind of blend like between working, your life on the road, RVing, you need and do what feels right for your situation. Because I think there's some easy blanket answers and pieces of advice that I could give right now, which would be to figure out exactly how much money you need each month and only work that amount. 
and it sounds really easy and really straightforward, but what I found is that this doesn't necessarily work for me because I thought I had a number for how much I needed in the past, like 2000 or 2500 a month, and I'm like, once I hit this mark in passive income, then I can just only devote all my time to other projects. But then I, you know, you bring on somebody to help with projects because you're outsourcing and you're trying to reach that mark or there's unforeseen costs. And my number just always changes. And right now we're in a space where we're trying to kill off our last bit of student debt, save up for a year of travel to Europe and New Zealand and Australia where we'd like to go RVing next year. And it's just not practical for us to take our foot off the brake because we're working towards these big goals. And so what feels right for me in this situation is, yeah, we've bit off a lot and it's kind of difficult. And we're in a period of time where we're hustling and not exploring quite as much. But it also feels right because we're working towards these goals and we need that period of time where we can work on these things. So I think if I could share any bit of advice for you guys, it would be to not put too much pressure on yourself to follow you know, any bit of advice that says you need to only hit this amount of time and then you can go you know, be leisurely traveling and all that good stuff. So I think it's all contextual and that's why you have to do what feels right. One more thing before we get into today's episode is that we are releasing tickets for our next RV Entrepreneur Summit in 2018. We're hosting that conference in, again in Fredericksburg, Texas from February 22nd through the 25th. We already have quite a few speakers lined up and we'll be releasing those early bird tickets on August 9th. So if you want to get access to those, you can go to the RVEntrepreneur.com and enter in your email. The marketing guy in the back of my mind wants to tell you that the tickets are going to go really fast, but honestly, I think they are. We released tickets to the people who came last year, alumni, because they came last year. So we wanted to give them a little bit of extra time as a reward for you know being early adopters to the conference. And we've already had 50 of those go in the first couple of days. And I think we'll have around 200 total attendees this year. So if you want to grab your tickets, again, go to therventrepreneur.com and enter in your email. That's who we'll be sending out the first batch of tickets to everybody on that interested email list. Today on the podcast, I'm bringing back a previous guest, David Blackman from Aspen Growth Studios to talk about what he's learned in the past year while doubling his team and reaching 500K in revenue in his WordPress theme and development company. A few specific things we talk about is how to hire employees and outsource specific tasks and how to make sure that the employees that you're hiring fits the culture of your team, how to pivot your travel plans once life hits you in the face, growing pains when expanding your company, and the difference between serving people versus selling to people. All right, let's get into today's show with David. All right, today I have David Blackman on the podcast with me. David, you were back on the podcast with me on episode 40, uh, and you spoke at our RV Entrepreneur Summit. Thanks for being on the show with me, man. Hey, Heath. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Good to talk to you. I enjoyed getting to hang out with you, by the way. at the Not only at the summit, but back at Pecan Park Riverside. We had some good times. Absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's kind of interesting that uh, it's such a wide age gap that you can, you know, still, <laughs> you know, hang out, spend some time together and, 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 and enjoy each other's company. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we, I think when you have something as big as RVing in common, it's, you have so much commonality there and the fact that you're, you have a tech business and there's just so much overlap there that it's like, oh, David's like my age or I'm like his. I don't, I don't know. It just it's a non-factor almost. But I wanted right. to I wanted to bring you back on the podcast to talk about some of the things that have transpired in the last year with Aspen Growth Studios. If you haven't listened to that podcast, it's episode 40. And David is the founder of Aspen Growth Studios, a WordPress theme and development company. In the past year, you guys have doubled your team, acquired another company and y'all are going to reach around a half million in revenue this year, which is awesome. And I thought maybe we could dig into what have been some of the growing pains and key learnings that you've had in scaling this business in the past year, you know, growing your team. And I think it's interesting because once a business starts getting to this point, you have to start thinking about all these other things like hiring, team communication, new clients, who's managing them, and how to make sure the ball doesn't get dropped. And all all of that fits into you know your traveling and being on the road. So first of all, how is that going? <laughs> well, it makes it a, a tad difficult when you're a perfectionist like me. <laughs> yeah, when you're uh, you are pretty much forced to relinquish a lot of the things that you you know may manage on a day to day basis because as you scale and grow you really have no choice. If you want to continue to grow and provide great customer service and value to your clients and or customers, 
you've really got to try to build the team around you and trust that the people that you hire are going to do as good a job as you do. So I've kind of been forced to allow that to happen, which is which has been good. It's not been a bad thing. It's been a good thing. Was was that kind of weird at some point? Because you started off and you were building websites for people and then you moved into building themes and plugins and all these other things that you guys are now selling on Aspen Grove. But was it kind of weird when you reached a point where it wasn't just you and you were talking with a client and you were saying, I'm going to have a product, a project manager on this. And I don't know, is it, was that a weird transition at all or not really? Uh, it wasn't really a weird transition at all. Uh, it was, you know, it, it perception is everything, I guess. And, and when you bring in key players into your team, when you're presenting it to, especially in a client facing situation, when you have project managers and lead developers and, um, you know, the, the impression that you're given, you're instilling a lot of confidence in the client and stuff. So it's not a one man show. Hey, I'm the only person they're communicating with. I'm doing all of the work. I'm handling everything. They actually meet and see a team and, and deal with different people and stuff. And they start to see the professionalism that you portray and stuff. So I wouldn't necessarily say it was a bad thing. It was um, it was a pretty good thing, actually. Yeah, that makes sense. So you guys have now been on the road for how long? It will be two years in, um, officially two years, October 15th. So in a couple of months, I guess, will be two years. And I guess a year and three. <laughs> I mean, has, has the lifestyle been what you guys thought it would be? Has it been a lot more work? Has it been, you know, like you guys have grown your business so fast in the past year. And I'm just wondering, like, what does that mix of travel and everything else kind of look like during this time? And what is that balance if there is one? Whew. Well, let me let me kind of try to answer the first question that you asked, which was, has it been what we thought it was going to be? Yes and no. And everything that we thought it could be. It's been awesome. It's been trying at times. It's been difficult at times because, as you know, you have to be a lot more methodical and very intentional with what you're doing going forward. So where you're going to stay, what route you're going to take, where you're going to go, you have to really think about all these things way out in advance because, you know, the RV industry is exploding and the more and more. It, it explodes the harder it is to find places to stay. So you have to be very intentional when you're parked at a house and, and you have a home. You never even consider these things because you're always going home. So that was kind of an adjustment for, you know, just just planning out like a year in advance. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that you guys you guys have probably felt this more because you spent a lot of time in and around Austin where during the winter, everywhere's packed for the, the next foreseeable future. Like trying to get a spot in Austin or in and around Austin during the wintertime is just nuts. And plus, you guys don't do a ton of remote boondocking. And so I guess it's all different because if you're doing a, t a lot of boondocking or you are you don't mind staying in different places, like it may be a little bit different and you may not have to plan out as much, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, purchased our RV, which is a 40-foot fifth wheel, this big behemoth thing that <laughs> – you know, feels like a house that we're pulling behind us. Well, I would love to do a lot more boondocking than we than we have because but it's really, really kind of difficult when you're dragging around right. this behemoth of a thing, you know. So um, but absolutely. Austin is, you know, we had a situation come up this year where we just had to kind of pivot quickly. And I started looking for locations in the Austin area around, you know, the winter time and summertime even is very difficult. So every place I called was booked for, you know, a year out in advance. So it can be challenging when, when stuff happens and stuff, but it can be done, Heath. It can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's been something that I've talked about a lot with friends and people that we've met on the road is the flexibility that when, if something does come up, then you kind of have the ability to drop what you're doing and go figure it out. And Alyssa posted a blog yesterday that was uh, somebody asked in our Facebook group, like, what are you currently struggling with? And uh, I asked that too, 
But my answer was pretty surface level. It was like, oh, I'm struggling with like balance of work and everything else. And it's kind of my go-to answer because it's kind of an ongoing struggle for me. So it's true. But there was like our month of July uh, was was just crazy. Like it was just one of those months that we were we were happy to just say that it was over because so many so much crap happened. And um, I mean, just like a few like things that we've we've lost a couple family members since we've been out traveling in an RV the past few years. But we've been luckily in Texas during it was like during winter and fall. So we got to spend time with them before they passed because, we, you know, they've been sick. And for the first time this past month, we had a family, immediate family member pass away. Alyssa's uncle, I think that's still technically immediate. They all live in the same town, very close. And for the first time, we were not able to get down there uh, before he passed. And not only that, I was out of the RV in Forest City, Iowa at Winnebago because I just started doing a client project with them. And I wasn't even with Alyssa, and I didn't even get the message for like an hour or two hours after because we had been in this really long meeting. And so she's like having to deal with this, and she's by herself, and I'm not there, and that sucks. And then right before we had went out to Four City, we had two laptops break, two MacBooks on the same day go out on us, and I'm going to the start this big client project with Winnebago, kind of freaking out a little bit. And it was just like one thing after the other. And I told Alyssa, I said, you know, if we need to go back and just – like we've really been looking forward to spending a fall up in the Northeast. Like that's, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot and I'm so excited. I've talked about it at nauseum. And I told Alyssa though, I was like, if we need to go back and just spend some time with your family right now, because that's what we need to do. We need to have family time and we want to be there for your dad. Who's lost his mom and his brother in the same year. Like that's why we chose this lifestyle. And if we don't take advantage of that, just, for whatever reason, I don't, there's not really a reason then, you know, what's the point of having this freedom if you don't kind of pivot, like you said, when you need to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I read that blog post last, last night by Alyssa and, uh, oh, I'm, I'm going to kind of segue a little bit here, Heath, and give Alyssa and Kelsey some props. Uh, they, they did one of your podcast episodes <laughs> because your computer crashed and you know you you couldn't access your interviews and stuff and two thumbs up fantastic job you guys did great love to listen to it um yeah you kind of talk about the ability to pivot and stuff and and one of the most beneficial things that i see in this lifestyle this rv lifestyle is it does give you quite a bit of flexibility even though it may be difficult to find a place to stay at times you know, when you do have to pivot, it th- there is a ton of flexibility. We had family member go through some pretty difficult times. You know, we had this great trip planned out. In fact, you and Alyssa helped us planning at plan it out at Pecan Riverside RV Park last year in San Marcos. We were going to head up to celebrate, help Canada celebrate their 150th anniversary. You know, for their national park system. We were going to go through the Tetons, Glacier National Park, hit Banff, come out to the Pacific Northwest, Cascade, which I believe you guys told us about. We did that whole route last year. It was awesome. Yeah. 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 We, we had this just pumped up, ready to go as soon as tax season was over for my wife and just hit the road and 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 life happened. You know, um, life happened pretty severely for us so we had to pivot and you know the beautiful thing about this lifestyle and and being able to pivot like that we did have to come to austin and stuff because we had a family member that was really ill and you know it was nice to be able to come and spend that time and focus on what we needed to focus on and be in the comfort of our home you know how many (laughs) you can't really do that with sticks and bricks so when you're going through a kind of a trying or difficult time, it's really nice to be able to be in your own home, even if you're, you know, if you live in one location and something happens in another, you know, and you don't live there, it can be trying to stay in hotel rooms and stuff. But I just think it's one of the great, great, great benefits of of the RV lifestyle. Absolutely. I, I've spent, you know, most of my life in a structured type of environment, whether it be school or even just, you know, the the couple of years that I worked uh, leading up to and getting out of school and right afterwards and stuff. And sometimes I, I forget that I don't have that structure anymore. I've kind of placed, a, you know, my own 
uh, structure around myself that, so we can run our business and work with clients and all that good stuff. But sometimes I just forget that if we wanted to up and travel, you know, to, to California tomorrow, you know, we'd pay a crap ton in gas, but we could do that. I don't know. Sometimes I forget about that. Like we need to listen. I need to insert some more spontaneity into our life, even though we travel full time in an RV. Sounds weird. So let's let's uh, transition a little bit in talking about scaling up Aspen Grove in the past year. How many people do you guys have on your team now? And how many has that increased since last year? Oh, wow. Last year, I believe when we talked, we had five, five, maybe six people working for us at the time. And um, now we have 12. So it has wow. doubled in, in the past 12 months. It's been fantastic. One thing I want to I want to add just to what you said a second ago. One final thing before we segue into, you know, RV entrepreneurship (laughs) (laughs) is that we had the ability to work also because this has to do with entrepreneurship, you know, not just the RV lifestyle and, and and having your home when you go through difficult times and being able to pivot. We also work remotely. So even though we had, you know, extra financial burdens put on us, you know, at the last minute, we didn't miss a beat of work. You know, we were able to work the whole time, which is fantastic. So our team has doubled in the past year. We've had a lot go on, um, a lot of growth, a lot of exciting things. Love to tell you about it. I'll let you (laughs) kind of go back (laughs) to your seat. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, looking at what you guys have done as a whole, ask you a question if you had to pick three factors that have helped you guys grow to 500 K double your team in the past year, what would that be? Like, how are you growing so fast and how are you bringing on your clients? If you had to pick a few things that have really contributed to that growth, what would they be? Uh, luck, <laughs> <laughs> uh, perseverance, um, and a willingness, I guess would be the three words that come to mind. Um, we were definitely were in the right place at the right time, you know, and I, I think for any business that truly succeeds on a on a on any scale, you know, part of the factor is, you know, being in the right place at the right time, you know, being open, available for those opportunities that present themselves when they present themselves. And, and a few years ago, an opportunity presented itself. I saw it. I saw what it had the potential to be. And, um, I just kind of ran with it and it has, it has panned out really, really well for us. So that being one of them, um, persevering, you know, when you're growing and, and scaling a business, it is, um, trying to say the least at times, you know, when we made a conscious decision myself and, and, you know, I am, I am a co-founder of Aspen Grove Studios. I actually have a partner and Corey Jenkins is his name and he's the best partner in the world. We're like, it's like we were married, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's kind of, uh, and, and it really needs to be like that. If you're going to go into business with someone, you're, you and Alyssa make a great team, you know, Corey and I make a great team, you know, because we balance each other out, but we made a very conscious decision that we were going to put the business first as ahead of ourselves. And, no matter what came up and stuff, we were going to continue to invest in the business. And at times that was difficult, you know, when you have decisions and choices financially to make and, you know, the, the, the choice was to invest in the company as opposed to take a dividend or a draw or a bonus or, um, you know, whatever that may have been, you know, it, it, it's hard to, it's not hard. We just made those, those commitments to our business and stuff. And I think that was a huge factor. Our employees are very important to us. The ability that they have security and know that they've got a job and they're taken care of allows them to do a much better job. And that was very important to us. So we focused on that. And what was the, the third thing I said was willingness. Willingness was just the, you know, the ability to you know, keep walking forward and, and doing what we thought was going to be the right thing to do to be successful and stuff. What kind of growing pains have you guys went through in the past year? I I mean, I've talked to you a little bit about this on our last call, but uh, we brought Kelsey on, a podcast editor, to, do, to work on some more projects with us because we added a couple new clients that we're working on. 
that we're working with. And so she came on board uh, more than just doing podcast editing, helping us on other projects. And so there's even been a learning curve over the past 30 days for that. I mean, quite a big learning curve, figuring out uh, you know, stand-up calls, ha- making sure that we're communicating enough, and, and also putting her in a place to succeed and, and do well, and uh, and for me or Alyssa to not bottleneck her on different projects because she needs us to say that it's cool or whatever. So, I mean, there's there's a lot when it comes to adding on new team members. So, what have been you know some of the things for you that has been a little bit of a growing pain or stuff that you've had to figure out, whether it be bad hires or anything else like that. Well, you've you've used a very good word, bottleneck. And, you know, as any business, when it scales and stuff, especially when it scales rapidly at the pace which our business scaled, along with acquiring another company and pretty much doubling your your workload overnight is, you know, hiring the right people, putting the right team. That's been something that you know, we've been very good at doing, but at the same time, it's 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 a process, and um, you just kind of got to go through it and stuff. So, part of the biggest growing pains for us has been finding the right team to put together to, you know, handle the the workload that we have, whether it be on the product side of our business or the client facing side of our business. Yeah. At what point did you guys make your first hire? Like how much revenue were you, if you don't mind me asking and just being direct, like how much revenue were you actually bringing in your business at that time? Because I feel like that's a weird and everyone's going to have different answers for that. And it also depends if you're bootstrapping, you know, if you're building out websites for large projects, you kind of have the capital maybe coming in for some of these projects. Were you guys already at a profitable point before you were hiring? Like, what does that look like? At least in y'all situation? Absolutely not. <laughs> were, were we profitable when we hired someone? No. You know, I'll, I'll kind of paint a picture for you or I'll try to paint the picture for you. You ask who, when was the first time that I hired someone? I knew that I, I needed some help. I was doing everything myself. And when you are a solopreneur and you're responsible for everything, so closing the sales, you know, finding the leads, um, building the websites and doing, you know, delivering the websites, maintaining the websites and doing everything. There's only so much one person can do in a 24 hour period. Um, and as the business started to grow and stuff, I, I started to meet people online and stuff. And I found this one, one of the, the things that has always fascinated me the most about the internet is it brings the it makes the world a much smaller place, especially in web design. The world became kind of my hiring ground, you know, where whereas I was based in Lafayette, Louisiana, South Louisiana, I wasn't just forced to find help or, or try to get help in Lafayette, Louisiana. I started to find help in the Philippines and in India and Poland and Europe and South America. And my options were much greater to me. One of the things that allowed us to scale quickly was the fact that currency exchange rates vary drastically around the world. And I started to learn about the global economy. Um, not that I didn't want to hire us because we have us people that work for us. Um, but at that time, you know, I was, I did not have the, um, funds to go and hire someone in Lafayette, Louisiana to sit right next to me and, and work. I just, I couldn't afford it, but I found a WordPress web developer in India where, you know, that I could afford and uh, tried to scale the business and pretty much doubled my team overnight with Kalyan. Uh, Kalyan was his name, Kalyan Bratis Das. I'll give him a shout out. Don't know if Kalyan will ever listen to this, but, um, <laughs> you know, you know, Kalyan came on board and the amount, the, the things that I could get done just with Kalyan and I opened my eyes drastically to where I knew this was a very important thing that I needed to do. So we made a conscious decision. This is, I made a conscious decision prior to Corey and I becoming business partners, but Corey and I definitely made that conscious decision that we needed to scale our team and the team needed to come first. The company needed to come first, whether we had the funds or not, we pretty much ate peanut butter, beans, whatever. And 
decided to focus on growing our team and stuff. And that was a, a top priority for us. It's paid off for us greatly because now we're in a position where we're at. We were able to take on larger projects. We were able to commit and do things for clients and customers because we had the bandwidth. Had we waited until we had all of our quote-unquote ducks in a row and saved up a bunch of money and hired one person and did this as opposed to just kind of going all in, you know, I don't think we would have would have scaled as fast and I don't think it would have turned out as good as it has. Yeah, I think hiring can almost be a little bit addictive because you do it and then the lights come on and realize – I don't have to do that thing anymore that I was partly very adequate about, you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't great. I wasn't even fan, you know, like I wasn't even that good. I was just adequate at it. And now somebody's coming in and doing it and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. And, and some of those things I really enjoy doing, you know, I'm not good at them. <laughs> there are people that are a lot better at video creation and editing and stuff than I am. I enjoy it. It consumes a massive amount of my time, which is not productive at all. You know, I mean, it's just when you're running a business, it's it's not productive at all. So it's been good. Have you had any bad hire experiences growing your team to, to 12? Oh, or... are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we've we've had a few. I, I can tell you about a couple. Um, actually, I'll tell you about one. Um, I hired, you know, my first a front end developer. I won't say where they're at or who I won't name any names or any of that stuff. But you know, when you work in a global community and people are not in the, in an office and they are, um, you know, located all around the world, you've got to have a lot of trust. You've got to trust that they're going to do the job that you hire them to do and stuff. And part of the way you do that, you find that out is, are they producing the work? Are they, you know, are they getting done what they should be done in the amount of time that, that you know that it takes to do a certain task? So I hired someone, I guess, probably about a year and a half ago and, um, you know, interviewed on Skype, uh, never video, but just audio. Uh, because some, you know, some parts of the world, their their internet connectivity isn't as good as the U.S., so they can't really do video um, calls, but they can do audio calls always. English was good, spoke English well, very clear. Um, did some tests, worked for us for you know probably about a year and a half. In the first year, almost the the work was just perfect, flawless. Well, the last six months. You know, all of a sudden the microphone broke. We couldn't do calls anymore on, on, on Skype. So we were all text, totally text based. And I noticed that the text based typing in Slack was, you know, the English started to degradate. You know, I was like, what the heck's going on? This person, they're not, they're not even speaking proper English anymore. They're, you know, I have been communicating with this person for a year. I know what they're, their level of, of, of English is, and the person that I was communicating with for the last few months was not. Their work started to, um, you know, they seemed to go backwards instead of forwards. And I was pretty much convinced that, you know, this person was not the person that I had hired. Not in that they had a like a crisis or changed their personality, but literally it wasn't the person you hired. Yeah, 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 <laughs> literally. And here, here's the funny thing. When, you know, when I get to the end of telling this story, it, it is kind of funny, you know, but I suspected that the person that I hired was no longer the person that I was dealing with on the other end of the line who was producing the work that was you know, they were supposed to be producing. I mean, and this were, these were the same tasks that they had been producing for a year for me. So I knew what their skill level was. And, um, you know, it just all of a sudden the skill level was gone. So I suspected that something was going on. And when you work in a global economy and there is a, a, a drastic exchange rate difference, there is such a thing as, um, you know, I don't want to say paying too much, you know, but but I'm going to say paying too much, you know, for uh, I've had two experiences and this is one of them where, you know, that country's exchange rate was so drastically different from the U.S. that even though it was not a significant amount of money to me or my company, 
it was a significant amount of money to them. And it changed their lifestyle definitely for the better. But it, you know, I guess spawned little entrepreneurs themselves <laughs> to where they started hiring people and outsourcing their work to get it done so that they could take on more clients and stuff. And the reality is, is if he would have come to me and said, hey, look, I want to grow the business. I want to hire some people and communicated with me, you know, great. I would have probably supported him. Instead, this person who had a upper middle class income in their country with our company and secure uh, employment lost it. And the final call was, you know, when I finally um, got, you know, this person on, on Skype and not even audio, we were just text, you know, typing. I basically told him, I said, you know, I don't believe you're the person that I hired. <laughs> I don't think you're and I'm not going to name their name. Let's just call him Joe. Mm -hmm. I said, Joe. I don't think this is Joe I'm talking to. Your English has gotten worse. Your work has gotten poor. And we're just going to have to part ways. And and Joe responded, okay, if that's the way you feel, then I'll understand. And, I'm, and I know well enough the, the person that I hired would have never responded like that. They just never would have. They, they would have been like, wait a minute, what can we do, you know? This job's important to me. You know, I just mm. I knew their personality and stuff and there was none of that. And it was just, you know, so then I get the, you know, the message about, hey, I, I need to eat. I want to feed my family. And can you send me some money? And so you deal with a, a little bit different, you know, when you're dealing with a global workforce as opposed to your, you know, local in person. It, it's it's different things that you have to deal with and stuff. So, yeah, it's been an adventure. I'm just, yeah, totally. That's crazy. So when you're thinking about growing Aspen Grove, like for you, what is the motive to get bigger and better? I mean, a lot of the people that I, that I talk with and I have conflicting feelings about this, but you know, the idea is get out there and have as much freedom as possible while you're on the road. And so for you, like what's, what's the motive behind building up the team and just scaling to get bigger and bigger? Well, I guess the main motive is I love what I do. It's not really a job for me. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking at the, an entrepreneur type lifestyle and you're wanting to work for yourself, one of the benefits is is you get to choose what you want to do. And I absolutely love what I do. It's not work. I mean, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. You're very passionate about what it what you do. I love what I do. So sitting down at a computer, you know, letting the creative juices flow and in, in any way that they're going to flow is it's fun for me. It's not mm -hmm. work, you know, and I'm getting paid for it. So it's <laughs> like the most awesome job ever, you know, love what I do. So if, if you're, you know, out there wondering what you should do, everybody says this, you know, find something that you love to do and it won't be a job. You won't work a day in your life. And that's definitely true in my case. So that, that makes me want to continue to grow the company and to help other people, you know, because what we build does help and change lives, gives them security. It allows them to certain freedoms that they want to have and stuff. We have a, a, a phenomenal team, a very, I won't call it a laid back atmosphere, but it's, it's very, very, very casual, very friendly. Um, it's like a bunch of friends getting together working together, you know, mm -hmm. and they love what they do and they get to, they get to, um, excel at what their passion is and make a really good living at it. So it's kind of a win-win situation for all of us. I think one of the cool motives for me of building a team and I'm getting to work a little bit with a team with some of these clients. And then also now with Alyssa and Kelsey and I, and our friend Liz, who's probably listening to this is also helping us with the Facebook group now, just adding new people and, you know, doing some projects and stuff. So just even in that small context, what I like about that is you have a sense of community that you're building around you. Like you said, it's your team and you're all virtual and you're all remote and all that stuff. But versus it just being us all the time, like you get to log in a Slack and have Skype calls with people. And even though, again, they're not there you kind of help bring on your, like by building your team and growing your business, you're also getting to have more people around you and in your life. And I think that's cool. I think that's exciting. 
Yeah, uh, it it totally is, and they and they become family. They become friends. I mean, it's really kind of awesome. Yeah. So I want to talk about building websites for clients. This is kind of y'all's core competency right now, and I know y'all are working on selling more themes at Aspen Grow Studios. But do you still think with Squarespace, drag and drop websites, Wix, WordPress, templates, and Divi and all this stuff, it's so easy. Like you can launch a new WordPress theme, tweak it if you know anything about WordPress and have a new site up in 30 minutes or less. And do you still think there is a large base of clients for building websites? If somebody wanted to go start a business like what you guys are doing? No, Heath, no one should get into web development. Just leave them all out there for us. We'll take care of them. Well, I mean, I think what I'm seeing about, like, I guess a better question to ask is, you guys are doing pretty high-end client work. I mean, talking like, I won't give specific numbers, but, you know, it's not crazy for you to have client projects all the way from $3,000, you know, for a smaller website up to, you know, $50,000. You know, that is a good size project and, you know, a good size website that probably has hundreds of thousands of page views and things like that. But I'm just wondering for the average blogger, the average person out there who has a website is, are there that many, like if somebody wants to get into building a business around this on the road, like, do you think that that is, is viable? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. You know, it's funny you ask that question because I have, we have, I have children. Lisa and I have, have several young adult children, not too much younger than you and Alyssa. And, you know, I have offered, begged, pleaded, um, you know, to allow them to come to work for me so that they could learn a skill and trade because I know the value and benefit of what their life could be like if it's something that they enjoy. And I guess the bottom line is, is that that's just not their thing. You know, maybe they just don't want to work with dad, who knows, you know, but absolutely there's opportunity out there. So even though there's themes and Squarespace and Wix and Weebly and, you know, the reality is, and I see this daily because we do sell WordPress themes. We build WordPress themes. We sell them. Someone can come to our website and for as little as zero dollars, download a full-blown website template. Nice plug. Yeah, nice plug for (laughs) lead magnets, obviously. And, you know, but the reality is, is that, you know, unless they want to 100% just pop in images and put the text and it needs to be the same exact amount of text that's in that theme to where it looks as good as what we design it. They're not going to be able to, you know, design and have a product that is the way that they're going to want it. And we see it time and time again, people just give up They're small business owners, do it yourselfers come, they purchase themes, and then we get emails, hey, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's drag and drop, and I thought I was just going to be able to. Can you please help me finish my website? I mean, there is a whole business that can be set up around, you know, website in a day, taking WordPress themes, setting them up for small businesses. I'm giving some ideas out here to the <laughs> entrepreneurs looking to do some stuff. Uh, there could be a a golden opportunity there because I see it daily. You know, people come and they say, man, this is just not as easy as it looks. You know, I know it's drag and drop and I know that I can do this, but I can't get it to look like you guys can get it to look. And that's Mm -hmm. the reality because it does take some knowledge of, you know, web languages, CSS, HTML, PHP, you know, at minimum CSS for styling and stuff. So it's a lot more difficult than you know, it, it's it's not as easy as the drag and drop stuff. You've got some experience, you've learned, but think about your first days dealing with it. You know, it was beating your head against the wall trying to get yeah. it to do what you wanted to do. It's like, what the heck is a plug-in? This thing is yeah. driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great. There's a great opportunity out there, absolutely. So, and on the flip side. You know, businesses need to focus on what they're really good at and not building websites. Mm. So even though there's drag and drops and there's all the do-it-yourself stuff and things getting smarter and more intuitive and easier, business a pizza shop needs to focus on making pizzas, not websites. Right. You know? So 
the few thousand dollars that they're going to spend to have a website that's put together properly for them, that's going to benefit their business far outweighs the time that it's going to take them to put together something themselves. Absolutely. And, and a lot, like you said, for them to research and actually try to implement that and also be thoughtful of things like SEO and is my website really, really mobile responsive and iPad friendly, you know, all these other things. It's just stuff that if you don't know it really well and you don't want to learn it really well, then your time is worth more than a few grand to, to throw up building a new site. Talk, I want to talk about build, building, uh, pitching and landing clients. Let's talk about that for a minute. You have, okay. you're really good at selling. Like that's a huge skill of yours. And I think that's something that people talk about that a lot. They're like, how do I find clients here? Or how do I, if I'm a photographer, how do I land a client in a city I've never been to before? So what has been like looking back at all the clients that you've brought on to Aspen Grove Studios over the past years and really in all your previous, I knew you had a company before this selling newspaper uh, magazine subscriptions. We won't dive into that too much, but like you've brought on a lot of clients. So what do you think has helped you attain, like bring on those clients? And I'll share a little bit of my own experience in that too. But for you, what has that been? Because I think that's something people struggle with. Yeah, I think that's definitely it's just if I ever had a true calling in life, um, I would say that my true calling is is talking to people. And, you know, people ask me all the time, how do you you know, how is your your close ratio so high and stuff? And I don't I don't ever really look at it as I'm selling someone something. I'm, I'm having conversations with them. I think what makes me successful is I I understand what it is that I do, and I can I can see how what I do benefits them greatly. So when I'm talking with someone, I don't really sell them. I communicate to them how and why they may need the services that I offer and how it's going to benefit them. So by the time I end up getting to an end of a conversation, they see the value of what it is that I offer. And they want to do business with me. It's not that I've got some magic formula or a script that I wrote that is just killer because it's different for everyone. Every business is different. And you need to be able if – if you want to be great at sales and closing clients, understand your business fully and see how you, your business can help the other business. And you explain that to them, and they're going to want to do business with you. It's going to be a no-brainer. And if you don't think that your business can help them, then be candid with them. There's been situations that I've been in. Uh, for instance, we were doing online courses one time. You know, when we were filming a lot of those, somebody called and they said, you know, he's and Alyssa are pretty good at helping people put together the framework that goes in their courses. So actually editing the process, the format of what goes into these to so that people who buy them get the most impact. And they had already lined up somebody to do video and things like that. But I was talking with somebody who had a designer background, was understood content marketing, had launched several successful Kickstarters. Their first revenue, like their first month in revenue for after their Kickstarter was like six figures. It was stupid. So I was looking at all these things and kind of just walking through a conversation with her. And she was asking questions about like what we would do and all that. And I was like, honestly, I think you'd be better off doing it on your own. Like, I know you think you need this, but you really don't. And, you know, they would have paid us probably 2,500 bucks for, you know, a week or two of work to help them figure out some of the format that was going into their course. And part of me at the time was like, oh, maybe I should say yes to this. But if I was being real, I, I didn't think that they needed it. And I was real with them about that. So I think there's a level of authenticity, too, there that it kind of flips around the other way. If you're talking to somebody and it's like, well, I don't think you need what I have. You can be really confident on the flip side when that happens. And you're like, you need this. And here's why. Absolutely. I mean, it really needs to be about serving people and serving businesses and not about dollars. If it's about dollars and you're worried about, you know, getting that money, you're probably not going to succeed. I have um, focused on worrying about the needs of other people and the money has come. So, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. Focus on their needs and you'll be taken care of. It's just it's worked out that way. Yeah, I know on every proposal I've ever put together, I've always said why this makes sense for you guys. And it's just super casual a lot of times. I just, you know, it's just bullet points, but it makes sense for you because of these reasons. And that almost all the time they come back and just say, you know, these were the things that sold it for me 
because you're not thinking, like you said, you're not thinking about yourself. You're, you're saying this is how it can specifically impact your business. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when I go in, one of the first things that I tell a client, you know, there are certain things in web design and web development that are very, very important security, you know, SEO. These are some things that are hugely going to contribute to whether or not your business is, is successful online. So I educate them right up front and I and I blatantly tell them it does not matter if you choose to do business with me I highly encourage you to find somebody who is adept at a B and C and it doesn't have to be me but whoever you choose make sure that you take care of these things with a professional and I think that definitely yeah lends to exactly what you were saying and stuff and, and what you were doing there was you're providing value for them, whether or not they sign up for you. You're basically giving them free consulting at that point. You're saying, look, here's the things that you need to be thinking about on the website. And whereas some people may take the approach of, I don't want to give away my consulting hours for free and, you know, whatever to each his own. But there's another level of trust that comes with talking to somebody like you. And again, I don't even know if you know that you're doing it at this point. It's just who you are, but you're giving them that free value to say, you know, like, here's all the things you need to be thinking about. And I will peer pressure you while I have you here on the podcast. You and I, you and I have kicked around the idea of launching an RV entrepreneur website theme you know, <laughs> where, where you can build a cool map and, um, you know, share your projects and things like that, where you are on the road and your RV. So I'm going to pressure you. We're going to make this happen. And uh, you should send David uh, a Twitter message or Instagram message or something and peer pressure him. What's your Instagram handle or Twitter? Either oh, my one. God. David W. Black, <laughs> David w. Blackman. So it's my, my middle initial. There's a famous fiddle player, David Blackman. And <laughs> he he got David Blackman before I could. So I'm, I'm David W. Blackman on most of the things. So middle initial with a W. Yeah, absolutely. It. Pressure me. Keep pressuring me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, thanks for coming back on the podcast with me. And uh, I will see you at the next RV Entrepreneur Summit in February. Absolutely. Looking forward to it and can't wait to see everybody else. Thanks for having me, Heath. It's been great to talk to you. You bet, man. Hey, guys. Thank you for tuning in to episode 81. The fact that we've recorded 81 episodes blows me away. And the fact that we continue to get emails and messages from you guys on Instagram and Facebook and through email, just saying that the podcast has been helpful to you means the world to me. It's freaking awesome. I check iTunes more than I would like to admit because it's it's cool to get in there and see reviews from you guys. It's a huge source of encouragement for me to continue pushing this podcast to know that it's valuable for you to help you know, as you're transitioning on the road, hearing stories of how people have made this happen. So if there's any specific people that you'd like me to have on the show or interview or topics you'd like me to cover, please reach out, send me a message at Heath and Alyssa on Instagram. Yes, we just changed our Instagram handle to be merged Heath and Alyssa. And uh, let me know who you'd like to see on the show. And if you haven't left a review and subscribed in iTunes, each one helps more people find the show. So thank you guys so much for listening. I respect you guys and your time. So I'll see you all next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. Podcast.